Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this I Believe podcast. Castle Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com. Hi, Omis. Registration is now open for our first back-in-person event since the pandemic. The 2022 I Believe Survivorship Seminar will take place this year in Nashville, Tennessee. Join Acure Insight along with Dr. David Reichstein, Tennessee Retina, top physicians and experts for two days of workshops and educational sessions chock full of info and tools to help you survive and thrive with an ocular melanoma diagnosis. Of course, we'll mix in a bit of Nashville-style fun along the way. For those attending in person, we hope to see you at our welcome reception the evening of October 13th, so please plan your travel accordingly. You can reserve your hotel room using the link provided at the time of registration, or you can book your own preferred nearby favorite hotel. If you're unable to attend in person during the registration, simply select attend from home as your option. If you plan to attend in person or online, please register as soon as possible using the link in the show notes or head to tinyurl.com slash I believe 2022. And that's I spelled E-Y-E. After you register, again, just be sure to finalize your travel plans and reserve your room at a hotel there or nearby. Please email contact at acureinsight.org with any registration questions. Share the news with your fellow Omis. We can't wait to finally see you again. Thank you guys for being here on the I Believe podcast. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, and I am actually here with Dr. Parnarama, and I'm going to abbreviate her name for the moment until I can introduce her fully. But before I introduce her and we get talking about children's eye health for this month, let me just briefly um, run through a couple announcements. A couple things, just to recap from the last time that you guys saw me. We have our Looking for a Cure 5K in Scottsdale, Arizona. That's happening on September 24th. And um, I will make sure that link goes for registration. That'll go in the show notes for the podcast, but make sure to get registered. It's virtual and in person. So if you're unable to attend in person, feel free to attend virtually. We'd love to have you participate on any level and any scale. That's taking place here in Scottsdale. So where both Dr. Rama and I live and that is coming up soon. So make sure to get registered. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your doctor's offices, all the things. Second up, we have the I Believe seminar happening on October 14th and 15th. That's in Nashville, Tennessee, and that's going to be hosted by Dr. Reichstein's office, um, as well as many of our wonderful sponsors who you guys are going to get to meet um, coming up soon here on social media. Make sure to get registered again for that event. It is free for all um, attendees virtually and in person. If you are coming in person, uh, we do need you to get your hotel rooms booked through the website that we have offered, um, as well as on the other avenues that you choose. Um, And we look forward to seeing you guys in person and virtually. I know I'm going to be there and I'm super excited to see you guys. Um, Last up, November 5th, we have the Looking for a Cure in Texas, and that is happening on the 5th of November. Again, registration, I'll drop that in the comments. Um, It's also both of these registrations, really all three of these are in the link in our bio. Um, if you head to the link in our bio. 
They're also available on our website if you choose to go through there. So thank you again, guys, for being here. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest. So this is Dr. Aparna Rama Subramanian, and she is the medical director of Phoenix Children's um, Retinoblastoma Program. She is an expert in the field of ocular oncology in the United States, um, and she has very unique training as a dual fellowship trained surgeon, both in pediatric ophthalmology and ocular oncology. Since coming to Phoenix Children's, Dr. Rama has significantly grown the multidisciplinary program. She treats patients not only from Arizona and the Southwest, but also children and families across the country who travel to Phoenix Children's for their ongoing specialty care. Dr. Rama is here to talk with us about Children's Eye Health in honor of Children's Eye Health Month. And we are going to just talk briefly, I guess, to begin with about the importance of eye examinations for kids. Um, So uh, Dr. Rama, do you want to go ahead and just kind of share your opinion on that and give us an idea yeah. of what, what to expect. So, I mean, it's, it's a very timely webinar that you're hosting because uh, kids are getting back to school. And, you know, it's, it's obvious to state that uh, a good vision and a, a good, healthy eyes are very important for how they do in school, how, um, how they progress through life and for all their activities. So um, why it is more important in kids than uh, even in adults is, of course, we want the kids to see well, but we also worry about vision development. The first eight years of life is when the vision is actively developing because the brain is developing. If the brain is uh, given a fuzzy image, then that's how the brain develops. And this is really important in the first five years, but uh, for the first eight years after which the vision that the brain develops is what stays with them for life. So that's why it's really important to pick up eye problems in early childhood, not just so that they see during that time period, but what they see for the rest of their life. And this is a term called as amblyopia or lazy eye, where if the vision is not developed in the first eight years, then the vision they have is what they have for the rest of of the life. And it's actually fairly common. Two to three percentage of uh, kids in the United States actually have amblyopia. And if you detect it early, it is preventable. So this two to three percentage is actually preventable vision loss. So that's why it's so important for kids to have screening and vision exams. No, I feel like that makes a ton of sense. And as someone who, you know, was found with vision problems at like age eight, um, I'm glad that it was discovered when it was, but it's, it's definitely one of those things that I think little kids, because they're so young, like I, I didn't know that the vision that we have as a kid is what develops and stays with us as a grown up. Um, that that's news to me. So that's really neat to hear. And that's often, you know, obviously very important for early screening, um, early detection of things. So you mentioned, um, in our notes, you mentioned myopia and refractive error and an increasing incidence of that. So is that related to um, just general eye exams or is that a little bit kind of more specific? So um, so when we talk about vision problems, the number one cause for vision problems in kids is uh, need for glasses. The need for glasses could be farsightedness where they have a hard time seeing up close, nearsightedness, which is myopia, which is they're having a hard time seeing far away, or it's astigmatism where the eye is oval instead of being round. So this is all, this is the most common cause why kids can see very well. And um, of course, it's important in the first, uh, in in childhood, because sometimes kids are less likely to verbalize if they have vision problems. If they have seen fuzzy all their life, they think that's how they're supposed to see. They They don't clearly know what clear vision is. 
The other important thing is that if they have poor vision in one eye, then they're predominantly using the other eye and you would never notice that they actually need glasses. So when it comes to myopia, um, it is very common and the incidence is actually increasing and it's again modern day living. Um, in, in Asian countries, the incidence is as high as 60 percentage. In United States, it's considered around, around 35 to 45 percentage is what they say, the incidence of nearsightedness. And the one thing that's conclusively been proven for the increasing incidence of myopia or nearsightedness is decreasing outdoor time. Um, because if you think about it, when you are in, indoors, you're using your short range vision. Whereas when kids are outside playing, they're using that long range vision. So, you know, if there's one thing I always tell all my families is increase outdoor time. Let kids play outside as much time as they can. The second thing is, uh, it's not clearly been proven, but is close-up electronic use. The more time kids do near work, the more far, uh, nearsighted they get. And especially with close-up electronic use, there is a trend that the myopia is increasing. And of course, we know with COVID pandemic and everything, kids have been doing remote learning. They've all, you know, they've all had to do a lot of computer and tablet and phone time because of which I think we will be seeing, unfortunately, increase in the nearsightedness. I muted myself. Sorry. Um, so, the um, the nearsightedness the the term for that is myopia. You said correct. Okay. Correct. So the, like so nearsighted. If they're nearsighted, that means that they can see well close up, but they can't see well far away. Correct. Okay. So again, in school, it's a big problem because they can't see the smart blur clearly. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, yeah. There's and lots even of, for other lots things like sports. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, as far as like increasing outdoor time. Um, I mean, that makes, that makes a ton of sense to me just to reduce the screen time and get outside more. I think kids learn better. And, and I, I think in general, I think my brain developed the way that it did because I spent so much time outside, not to say that I didn't watch TV, but like, I just remember childhood was very different. Like, and so was school, like there was so much more outdoor time encouraged and done. Um, and I yeah. know now, like you but, said, with schools, like there's so much more technology and things happening in the classroom even. Um, yeah. But even TV is not that bad because TV is still a far range electronic. Mm, yeah, it's still further you know, it's away. More the, it's more the phone and the tablet. Yes. Yes, all the, That's all what the close is kind up of stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. In other words, we all should just have little devices that attach further to us and make us hold our phone out really far away so that we're not like in it all the time. Yeah. Um, or maybe not only. use electronic at all. Oh, yes. Or we just don't or use them much at all. Yeah, minimize, minimize for sure. You can't um, get away from it. Which is which is going to be beneficial in so many levels um, to minimize electronic use. But I digress. Um, so what is the eye misalignment that you talked about? Um, that seems to be another thing that can happen with kids and kind of another issue that you see. Correct. So, um, so there are three things that cause amblyopia or the lazy eye. One is what we just spoke about, the refractive error. The second is eye muscle problem where you might see that the eyes are either crossing inwards or they're drifting outwards. What happens with that is that then both eyes are not working together. So the kid is not developing good depth perception. So if you know they're either using the right eye or they're using the left eye. And again, back to the vision development in childhood, we want the brain to learn to use both eyes together so that the kids develop depth perception. So again, it's very, very important to pick up strabismus or eye misalignment as early as is possible. 
Now, the first three months of life, some eye crossing and drifting is considered normal. After three months, if you see any crossing or drifting, the child needs to see an, to see an eye doctor to figure out why the eyes are crossing or drifting. So when you so, say see an eye doctor, I am assuming you mean specifically an ophthalmologist. Preferably. But if it's in a remote area, you at least want to get, 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 get at least the first initial exam. Uh, because there are some conditions where it appears crossed, but in reality, the eyes are not crossed. So if you have access to an ophthalmologist, that's great. If not, at least get the process started by seeing, you know, an eye provider. Okay. Um, and so I guess, what would you, what would you say then to, I, I think we're going to jump ahead a little bit to the white eye reflex and you mentioned the retinoblastoma and just the importance of early detection for childhood. So tell us a little bit just to educate us. Cause obviously we are ocular melanoma patients. Retinoblastoma is a part of the eye cancer diagnosis on the American cancer society, you know, numbers. Um, so talk to us a little about retinoblastoma. Cause obviously that's something, you know, very well. Sure. So um, retinoblastoma is an eye cancer that occurs in children. It's actually uh, unlike, unlike, there are some melanomas that are inherited, but unlike melanoma, a lot of the retinoblastomas can be inherited. So the parents have it and there, there's a 50% chance of the kids having it. And then there is the other variant where it occurs only in the child. It is a malignant cancer. It occurs in children less than five years of age. And um, sometimes it's in one eye, sometimes it's in both eyes. And the way it's detected is by what's called as the yellow reflex. So when you take pictures, sometimes you see the red eye, you know, and people don't like the red eye. I love the red eye. I'm like, oh, red eye, good eye, normal eye, you know. So, but um, when the red, instead of the red, it's yellow, that could indicate that there is something going on in the eye. So if if you ever see a picture of your friends, family, even on social media, you see a child with the yellow reflex, they need to get an eye exam immediately. There are some other causes that can cause the yellow reflex. Sometimes it's just a normal picture angle that gives us the yellow reflex, but still it is something that needs to be evaluated at the earliest. Because again, there's sometimes a lag time between when it is detected and when people think that it could be, it could be something important so sometimes there's a three, four month lag between when it was first seen and when attention was seen. So that's why I like to raise awareness about the fact that if you see a yellow reflex, make sure to see an eye doctor immediately. So that yellow reflex, like you're talking about, like if there's a flash on a picture and you take a picture with say your phone and you use the flash and the flash makes a red eye in mom, dad, sister, and brother, but baby sister has yellow reflections, then that would be an indication like, Hey, let's, let's get this checked. Like, let's make sure that this is, let's, let's just check. Like there's no harm in checking at that point. Um, But there could be harm in not checking. (laughs) There could be. And you know, an eye exam is pretty, you know, it's just an exam, you know, it's just a look with a light. So yeah, yeah, it's better to get a check. So talk to us, I guess, a little bit about, um, well, I, before before we talk more about, about that, um, talk to us a little bit about, about what you know, the history of ocular melanoma and the pediatric cases of ocular melanoma. Um, and I mean, obviously, early, early detection is still going to be important. Um, but I know like as patients, as a mom myself, like I have two little kids that are old enough to be in school and then I have one toddler. Like how, how would you say to go about that as a parent of children um, for eye exams? Mm-hmm. And then also like, what, what do you think the, like the occurrence rate is that you see? 
So fortunately, uh, ocular melanoma is not always an inherited disorder, fortunately. And fortunately, kids don't get melanoma, you know, commonly. Melanoma is more uh, adult disease. Uh, I mean, it's not that it cannot happen. I have, I have seen and treated teenagers or even younger kids with melanoma. So um, it can certainly happen, but it's, it's rarer. Um, only if there is a, a multiple members in the family with, with multiple skin melanomas or ocular melanomas, those are the ones that are more likely to get inherited. And, you know, there are a few genes that have been detected. One is called, I don't want to get too technical, but it's called as the BAP1 gene. Um, those are the ones that are inherited tumors. Um, so if you have the BAP1 uh, gene mutation that's running in the family, then I would definitely say, you know, I usually would advise twice a year eye exam for, the, for those kids. But if not, then, you know, there is no harm in getting an eye exam once a year. If you would rather, rather have your eyes, your kids' eyes checked once a year, there's no harm with that. If not for melanoma, it'll check all the other things that we have spoken about. It'll check for glasses, it'll check for everything else. So I don't think there's harm, but there is no clear-cut recommendations that, you know, they have to be checked every year because it, most often than not, it's not an inherited condition. So you can rest in peace that, you know, your, your, your children are not going to inherit it, but there's no harm in getting an eye exam once a year. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, so talk to us, I guess, a little about like, because I know as, as a parent of young kids myself, like I was a little bit skeptical of like, well, how can they check a baby's eyesight? Like, how do you, how do you check so young? Like, obviously retinoblastoma needs to be checked really young, but I guess just talk to us about like, what's the process like for maybe the zero to five year and then maybe older than five um, and talk to us a little bit about what kinds of things could, could parents expect um, for a pediatric eye exam? So um, when we do these eye exams, these kids come into our office for a regular exam. Uh, we usually check before uh, first to make sure that the eye alignment is good. Then they do get an eye drop where we dilate the eyes. So the kids usually don't like that part, but two seconds and it's gone. Um, and then after that, we do take a look at the back of the eye. We'll look at the, we'll look at the retina and the choroid and the back of the eye. And we also then check for glasses. So checking glasses for kids is very different in kids and adults. In adults, you all know the, the machine that they put in front and they say, do you like one, do you like two? It's nothing like that in kids. We do an objective measurement. It's called as, it's a technical term, it's called retinoscopy. And that's how we uh, measure the glasses prescription. And it's actually more accurate to do it that way than how you do it in adults where you are asking them what they like to see. Because in kids, again, going back to the brain development, we have to give the brain what it needs to see. We don't want to give the kids what they like to see. We want them to see what will give them a clear image. You know, So it's a very objective test, and that's how we check for glasses in kids. And we, we put kids in glasses who are three, four months of age if they need it. So um, the, the, the test is very simple. It's all atraumatic. It's, it's fairly easy. Like I said, the only thing they don't like is the eye drop. So that's for zero to five years. Um, beyond five, we do try to see if we can uh, check the vision of the child by having them read letters or match shapes. Um, and then um, we do that just like a visual equity test in adults. And then we do the same thing. We do dilate them. 
we check the back of the eyes and we check for glasses. Even in the five to 10 age group, we prefer, we give them glasses that they need, not what they like to see. Uh, and then about 10, it's kind of a borderline. We give them somewhere between what we measure and what they like to see. So we kind of, you know, teenagers are neither kids nor adults. So, so they are, so we do something in between. But it's a, it's a simple exam and, you know, most kids do totally fine with it. No, I know like my kids have done totally fine. I was, I was super nervous because one of them absolutely hates eye drops, but for what, you know, maybe just being in the, in a different room and somebody else doing it other than mom, like it was fine. It went super fast. And obviously there was a little bit of that, that same familiar, like dialation eye drop sting and it was over and it was done. So no big deal right there at all. Um, so I guess the only other thing that we have left to cover would just be um, general eye safety. Like what would you say are, are some things that we can do as, as parents um, to make sure that our kids' eyes are safe? Um, and what so, does that look like um, for you as a doctor? If kids are wearing glasses, then glasses are always made with uh, what's called as polycarbonate. So they are shatterproof material. So in kids, all glasses are shatterproof. So if they're wearing glasses, if they're playing sports and stuff, then I would say, you know, just wear your, wear your regular glasses. It should protect. Otherwise, ideally, you know, kids should be wearing safety goggles when, when they play sports. Um, and actually, believe it or not, the, the number one sport that causes eye injury is actually basketball. Um, yeah, I would have thought it's probably baseball or something, but it's actually basketball. Yeah, it's basketball. And, you know, um, I, I mean, ideally, I would yeah, advise I like, all I, kids I to wear protective glasses. Something different, but okay. um, Then there are some other things, like like the, the number one during those times is firework injury. The problem with firework injury, it, it, it actually damages the eye at so many levels because of the chemical injury also. The recovery is very, very hard. So I would really keep kids totally away from fireworks. Um, and even if they, if older kids, if they have to do it, they should be wearing some protective wear when they are handling fireworks. So what kind of protective, um, what kind of protective eyewear would be used in the case of like, say watching, I'm just, I'm just thinking like street fireworks and sparklers, like, like not like the big ones, like far away. I'm, I'm thinking you're, you're talking about the ones you do in the street in your neighborhood. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Those ones. I would just get those safety goggles. You know, the one that you use for, you know, yard work and things like that. Um, okay. Use those when you because you you do want to protect your eyes because even one spark can cause pretty significant damage. Um, and um, yeah, same same applies to like teenagers who are working. Like I've seen so many injuries with nails and you know uh, hard metal objects that are flying into the eye when they are working on something. So they should always be wearing goggles. Yeah. Well, and just like making sure that they're aware of like okay. We need to protect the eyeballs and obviously glasses have a level of protection because of those polycarbonate lenses. But like you said, then if you, you don't goggles. wear glasses, then you may not have that shield layer between. You need something to protect. Um, yeah, I feel like that's a really good point, especially for like, I know like my child is a budding scientist, so he wants to do all kinds of experiments and ideas and play with rocks and smash rocks together. Yeah. They're crack I mean, rocks. they should have fun like, with yeah, all of that. They should do eyes. all of that, but um, just get the And I know we live yeah. in Arizona. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, get some safety goggles. Um, and then, like, what would you say, like, as far as, like, sun 
if he, um, is that something that you feel like is important for little kids? Like those UV protecting, like $1, eye, you know, the $1 eyeglasses from, from Target this, that have the UV protection, like, is that adequate for sun protection? Like just to make sure that we're shielding their, their developing eyes? <laughs> yeah. So as, as you some of you might, in, might have read and known, you, uh, the eye melanoma has not been clearly proven to be related to sun exposure. There is some tendency for it. Um, probably more the surface melanoma could be related to sun exposure, like conjunctival melanoma might be related. Mm -hmm. So I would say there is no harm in wearing, uh, wearing sunglasses and you know any UV protection sunglasses are fine. There's not a safety standard at this time for kids specifically. But if you're if you're going for a day in the beach, you, you know you're going to be there for six, seven hours. I think goggles, sun, sunglasses are better. The one thing that comes up a lot with kids is the blue light blockers. Uh, is there any, any uh, use to using blue light blockers, okay. especially for kids who are on the computer a lot? They're doing a lot of schoolwork on their computer. Again, with the eye, there has not been a clear um, correlation if it causes problems in the retina. There are studies that, that have they've all been predominantly done in animal models where they say that it could cause retina problems. But in human eye, it's not been clearly proven. What has been clearly proven is that it disturbs sleep. In kids, it's clearly been known that that blue light, that constant blue light can disturb sleep in kids. Uh, because it stimulates the eye and they, they have poor, they have a lot of sleep problems. So I usually say no screen for at least two hours before they go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And there's no harm in putting a screen protector, a blue light protector, or even like those blue light blocker glasses. And if somebody is wearing glasses, they can get the blue light filter on it. That's super cool. I mean, I know about the blue light glasses, but like I didn't know that a screen protector can actually be made that, or can be used like something that would that go over the screen itself, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay, well, that's, I mean, that's going on my to-do list of things to get just because I know, I mean, just for me, like eye strain of looking at my computer or looking at a device, like having that blocker just to reduce that eye strain. And also, like you said, like it does affect the melatonin yes, it does. Uh, production levels in the brain, especially for kids. Yes, um, I think I, I did like a sleep, a sleep coaching study and it was like something like 80 or 90% mm -hmm. reduction in the melatonin produced for screens is how much, how much it affects. And so, yeah, we, we have implemented that this summer of the whole no screen Perfect. time, two hours before bedtime. So you can sleep yeah, because sleep is important. <laughs> um, but I felt like that was, that was a good thing to chat about. Uh, well, like this has been phenomenal. I feel like this has been very informative um, and really helpful just in clearing up maybe some of the myths around kids eye exams and when, when they should or shouldn't happen. And I think the general message that I'm coming away with is it's never going to hurt. If you're a parent of someone with, you know, children and you have ocular melanoma yourself and you're concerned about it, it's never going to hurt to ask for and get those yearly eye exams. BAP1, um, BAP1 gene mutations, if you know that your tumor, it has a BAP1 gene mutation, which in the melanoma world for ocular melanoma is rare, um, but still happens. Then those would be the kids you would want to see twice a year just to be safe. Um, and then as far as early detection goes, like just not being shy to pay attention to things like the yellow light refraction that happens in the photos, as well as just making sure that you, if you notice anything, younger kids eyes in, in your life, in your grandkids lives, like wherever you're seeing, like just pay attention because pediatric eye, pediatric eye health, I think 
it, like you said earlier, I think before we were talking, it, it needs more awareness so that kids actually get seen before it becomes a really significant problem in their vision or um, in other areas. So um, is there anything else that you want to add, I guess, to conclude? No, I, I think you, I think you summarized everything beautifully. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, um, Dr. Rama, for being here. If you guys have any direct questions for her after we finish the live video, um, as well as the live broadcast, feel free to drop those in the comments. I will forward them on um, to Dr. Rama. And then when she's able to, we'll hopefully be able to get those answers. But I feel like we covered a, a broad range of, um, of information. And hopefully this will just help make sure that, that kids get their eyes checked this year. And um, we can just help raise awareness for all the things that that we need in children's eye health. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences and produced by Agora Media. Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Acure Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.